And welcome to the Sins of Mass Sound Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, DJ Lanemeyer. With me as always, James O'Hara. Hello. Sean Hogan. Hi. All right. Uh, a couple of, again, I, I feel like this is going to be every time that we talk about this, uh, lackluster weeks from your Washington Nationals. Um, really, it's they're beating the shit out of the someone or getting the shit kicked out of them. Well, and they've done it in a, a very nice, aesthetically pleasing pattern where they, they lose, they kick the shit out of a team, and then they lose. They did that to the Angels. They did it with the Mets. They did it with... Uh, Houston. Houston. I feel like there was four. Uh, Maybe it's just Rockies were close. Uh, they won yeah. the first one and then lost the other two. So maybe it is but they three, did kick you know. the shit out of them the first one, so I mean... Oh, the Giants, too. They kicked the shit out of them one of them. So, Giants did it twice. Oh, yeah. And it was it was sandwiching a loss. <laughs> yeah. The Giants, they, they got a little hope for some reason. It's very confusing. Uh, yeah, it was I mean, crushed. It's com- comedy. I should have known it's a comedy rule of three. So, you, you they did it three times. So, we'll see. They are on pace, though, tonight to get the pattern started again against the Marlins. Already down four one in the fourth inning. Perfect. I guess that's how their Pythag is uh is three games better than their actual record. Right. Well, and it's funny is it's the Pythag is both three games better than their actual their actual record, and it's still not good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen another team that has had so many blowout wins with such a terrible run differential, anyways. Yeah, we only have one one run win and two two run wins. Every other is, I think, five or more or four or more. Yeah, so we got we got uh, thirteen to six, eight to three, seven to three, ten to two, eleven to five, fourteen to four. There's some big, yeah. They have a couple bigger losses as well, but it is just funny how many games they've had i mean it, it just goes to show you know, exactly what we said it's just whenever nelson cruz Juan soto you know, josh bell happened to line up and hit well they score a bunch of runs and they'll win the game and then otherwise it won't matter and they'll lose so uh uh just so the listener is aware we we are not kidding uh they are eight and nine in blowouts <laughs> Yeah, and one and four and one run games. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, TJ and I were talking about last week, where if you were only watching the Apple TV games, you might think this team is good. It's like if you only happen to catch a very specific set of seventeen games, you'd just be like, oh, "I mean, this team, you know, not bad, not good. You know, eight and nine, not not good, but hey, they're in it. You know, clearly, if you know, if this is their performance in these seventeen, I think you know it's weird that they're either getting blown out or blowing teams out. But, you know, I think this is probably still a pretty good team. You could see a lot of potential there. It's like, all right, now let's just introduce all of the other games. <laughs> oh, and no. What's nuts is that's almost half of the games they've played. Yeah. They played 36 games so far, and 17 of them have been blowouts one way or the other. <laughs> well, you know what? If you are going to be bad, you damn well better be entertaining. So they've got that really bad. Oh yeah, mm. and it, and it's good that it's it's split five hundred. I, I think if it was just like you know all all but you know they're in a lot of blowouts and also they're losing all those blowouts. It's like well this is 
even more depressing now. But it's like, yeah, you know, here's this weird, quirky fact. This team is almost 500 in blowout games, and they otherwise suck ass. They're almost 500 in blowout games, and their run differential in blowout games is negative 10. So, I mean, I guess it... <laughs> That's good, right? It goes to show... I don't know why I started a sentence and then took a sip of water, but it goes <laughs> to show... It's an interesting question of, is this more like a reflection of the modern game and the way teams picture the Nationals that like the second the Nats early on in the game get up to kind of big lead, they're like, well, fuck it. Let's not put any effort into the rest of this game. We know we're almost guaranteed to win two of these. We'll give them this one and we'll just get the next one. Don't don't waste any of our good bullets for this game. And then it turns into a blowout because the other team's using all of their worst players possible and sneak whereas we're just using our worst players as default (laughs) yeah so then that's why we also get blown out a lot (laughs) two swords um yeah i mean otherwise it is funny that it is uh with the way these blowout wins and you remember in the past you know this year i think the expectations were low enough only the truly ridiculous people would think they ever have a chance at any point in the season but you, you remember a lot of these seasons the past, especially the ones that didn't go the right way, like 2015 and 2018, how much like one blowout win would get everybody talking about, oh, here we go. They, they've got things figured out. They got one one good win. Now we'll see them do well, and then they don't do well. And it <laughs> is funny that these last three series, they've decided to kind of condense that into a series every single time where it's like all right well not that that wasn't a good game Ooh, they got a blowout here they come here's some momentum oh nope never mind momentum gone immediately they've just lost badly again i mean what's their what's their longest win streak this year uh two two three i think no longest winning streak two (laughs) no it is two you're right three times i was gonna say i thought (laughs) oh yeah that's that's even worse only three times it's truly incredible. <laughs> so yeah, so there's have, literally no momentum in this team nope. whatsoever. Not at all. Well, Perfect. I mean, momentum is the next day's starting pitcher, and all their starting pitchers suck. So, you know, that kind of... Sometimes these aphorisms turn out to be true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're like 60-40 with Gray, and that's about it. What, 90 with Corbin? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Corbin's almost a guaranteed. He is 0-6 with a, I don't care to pay you fan graphs, 6-2-8 ERA, 4-2-2 fit. I would like you to know that on the headlines of Nationals.com, third from the top, for Corbin, 2019 form could be within reach. Yeah. Oral victories. Yeah. He just needs to. Well, I'm gonna click Patrick Corbin here because I know this is way lower, but I just want to get this precisely right. Uh, 2019 he just needs to increase his strikeout per nines by two, uh, and decrease his walk per nine by about one and a half, and then we'll be good. So nothing, just like yeah, little tweak. He's good. He's it's he's like already 20- given up less home runs than that. I mean, he's pretty much better. <laughs> 2019 is within reach in that his strikeout rate is exactly like it was in 2020, and that was much closer to 2019 than today is. I It's incredible. You look at his page, and it's just, his strikeout rate is pretty much exactly the same. 2020, 2021, 2022, all hanging around 8, 
which was also what his strikeout rate was before his surprisingly good 2018 and 2019. Uh, and then his walk rate just continues to increase as people realize he can't do anything <laughs> <laughs> and don't swing at anything. Strand rate continues to plummet. Very impressive. Uh, the one thing he's getting lucky with this, I mean, the wild thing, I just said the sentence, but it is true, is that he's probably getting lucky so far this year because of the way the ba- they've treated the baseballs with the humidors in every park uh, and some suspicion that the baseballs have been changed yet again to prevent, you know, to make it harder to hit home runs because his home run rate is way lower than the last couple of years uh, and his home run to fly ball ratio is only 9.5% when his career average is 15 and last year it was 23%. So if the baseball sort of gets fixed a little bit, his ERA will be even worse somehow. <laughs> the one thing that he was getting by on, and by getting by, I mean staying below seven earned runs, was not giving up a lot of home runs. And that will be taken care of shortly, I'm sure. Perfect. I was able to trade him away in my out-of-the-park baseball franchise, which is, I think, the greatest GM move that could have ever be made. Did you get... well? Anything besides like sandwiches back? I think I ended up taking on like the equivalent of money back and like three different players, but one of them ended up turning into something that wasn't a turd. So I call it a win. So Christoph's Porzingis trade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So can you guess which Nationals pitcher leads the team in Fangraphs for right now? Which Nationals pitcher? Which Nationals pitcher leads? So it not the not you know, I think a position player probably has more war than this person. I'm not saying they lead the team overall, but which I have to has, guess it's not a starter. It's hundred percent no. a reliever. It has oh, to it, be it Victor is, Arano then. It is indeed. It has to be gone. It is Victor he Arano. <laughs> he has pitched in fifteen games, actually not the most games pitched by a reliever. Oh. It's uh, Steve Tshek who sells sells by the seashore. Well, I guess that's because we get blown out all the time, and that's when he yeah. pitches a lot. He pitches sixteen. He's pitching sixteen. I think he is closer to the leader in innings pitched by a reliever. Yeah, he's second most there. Espino has the most innings pitched for a relief pitcher. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, he has a lot of strikeouts. He doesn't have that many walks. He has given up zero home runs, so his FIP is unbelievably low. And I believe it. it has Hopefully the buyers believe it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, if you were just to look like really surface level at these stats and not look at the name, you would just be like, oh, this is a guy whose ERA is only going to go down because... The only stat, I mean, one, the home runs will probably go up a little bit. You're not going to stay at zero the whole year. But his BABIP is 364. So you could, and his fastball, average fastball velocity is at 94 miles per hour. So, you know, he has really high K rate, you know, decently low walk rate. And, you know, the BABIP's higher. It could probably come down. You'd be like, wow, this guy's going to be great. Uh, And hopefully nobody looks any further than that into this. Uh, and we can get some value back for Victor Arano. He is under team control for like three more seasons beyond this year, I think. And we he know how much two, people two love years that. of service time. Yeah. 
And he's only 20, 27. A young 27, too, in February. So I think that we have a future closer in the making here. That, right. That's what they should be selling. Uh, <laughs> you can get three and a half years of team control for this guy. Well, closers are, are so lo- 2012. We have a few. We have a fireman now. We have you can stop. put this guy in, you know, just like Daniel Hudson. You can pitch the seventh, the eighth, the ninth. You can pitch, you know, two innings, one inning, whatever you need. He's going to come in, give you that inning, give you no runs. As opposed to the rest of the bullpen, which are all firemen, and that they turn everything into fire when they come in. Indeed. This is fine. Generally known as arsonists. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it's kind of impressive how few appearances, how few innings pitch Tannerini has. They're just very committed to using him as the closer, but not really winning many games. So they just don't bring him in. It's a weird de- decision. I mean, it's a great gig if you can get it. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it just is like they want him to be in a closer's mindset or whatever, so they're not going to use him in other innings, but you have to know you're not going to be leading enough games by the ninth inning to be using him consistently as a closer. And they, I mean, they do occasionally bring him in in other situations, but it is really funny how infrequently they'll bring him in in non-save situations just because they need to save, you know, Oh, well, if we bring him in today and then we have, we're winning the game, who will close it? It's like, I don't think that matters. (laughs) Do they have to know that though, James? They should. Do they have to? Like if anything, based on the, the way your team is playing and what its goals should be, the benefit, the, the better thing for you would be you're losing a game and you're like, well, Rainey hasn't gotten work done in a while. We'll put Rainey in. You still lose that game. Then you happen to be winning the next the game the next day and you're like, well, we don't want to put Rainey in. He just pitched. And you put some other guy in and he blows the save and you get an extra loss. But you might have turned into a win. Foolishly. Yeah, there's seven relievers with more innings pitched than Rainey right now. Which is hilarious. But, and seven relievers, and like the people who are behind him are mostly people who got injured. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, Sean Doolittle, or you know, people got injured, people who were just got called sent up. down or were just called up. So, you know, Sean Doolittle, Patrick Murphy, Francisco Perez, Carl Edwards Jr., Sam Clay, Hunter Harvey, Mason Thompson, D. Strange Gordon. Like, literally, the only one behind Tanner Rainey who I think has been here almost the whole year or has been here the whole year uh it was josh rogers <laughs> and then every other reliever that is ahead of him <laughs> who's actually been here on the team so truly absurd but hopefully tanner's really learning how to be a closer he's got the mindset man he'll be fine he's got the mindset of the, closer. the soul patch thing He's got that too. That that just looks like a closer look. Uh, so back on the uh, the injury report here, <clears throat> uh, we talked about Sean Doolittle last time around. I believe he had just been transferred to the sixty day IL. Um, so that leaves us with Carter Keyboom, updated on May fifth that he did start throwing, only three or nice. four weeks behind 
Uh, and I thought I think about an hour after we recorded, they said, oh, actually, by the way, because you had seen the tweet where they said Kiboom had not started throwing yet. Mm-hmm. And then we stopped recording. And then like 30 minutes later, Zuckerman said, oh, actually, I've been told that he has started throwing. So <laughs> he saw that and he was like, I got to start throwing. They don't believe in me anymore. <laughs> he it, the, it had the recording had not even come out yet. So. You know, there's maybe some potential questions about his Carter Keyboom hacking the recording to listen to what we say, <laughs> which would be an interesting choice by him, uh, mainly because we don't talk about him. And when we do, it's generally negative. So I don't He's know just why listening he do live. that. Carter Keyboom. You know, maybe that's his problem is that he can hear every podcast being recorded live just in his brain. Without or trying, superhero power, <laughs> and so that's how he's like. It's why he's struggling to hit and feel this. Is he's getting distracted all the time? Like the pitch is coming in, and he's like, "I'm ready to swing. I'm ready to hit." And then he hears this crazy hot take in his brain, and he just is like, "Wait, what? Who said that? Why would you say that? That's so dumb." And then the pitch is now past him, and he struck out again. But it's also not about like a mainstream sport. It's like Korean lacrosse or something. And no, I mean, it's like, it's, what, it, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's every podcast. And so, like, sometimes he can do well because there's enough podcasts being recorded simultaneously that's kind of really hard to hear one versus the other. It's just kind of a white noise. And in those times, he can kind of concentrate and do well. Uh, and then, you know, when it, isn't and you can kind of just pick out one and then you just hear something weird and then everything gets messed up again turns out the only thing he can hear is Stephen a smith <laughs> oh, i wouldn't wish that on <laughs> except for pete cosmo <laughs> uh mason thompson uh moved from the 10 day to the 60 day just sounds like they're being overly cautious with him uh, previous Tommy John recipient there. Uh, Joe Ross and Steven Strasburg both threw two innings simulated games over the last couple of days. Uh, looks like Ross threw 33 pitches, topping out at 95 miles an hour. Uh, Strauss threw 27, hitting 92. And apparently they're still hoping for him to make 20 to 25 starts this year. That seems um, optimistic. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, like we said last time, that I mean, that's a positive development that rot for Ross and Strasburg that they're moving forward, but sort of negative for Strasburg that he definitely is falling behind the schedule. They said he might have been on. I mean, obviously, one, he is, we wasn't here May first. We're now well well into May, and he's only kind of just getting started on the path to coming back. Uh, and he was at one point kind of ahead of Joe Ross in terms of the work he was able to do, you know, in terms of throwing the throwing, he started throwing before Ross did. And now Ross has kind of caught up with him. Uh, And then I think the last thing I saw, I don't know if you mentioned it, TJ, that his velocity was only fastball velocity was only around 92 miles per hour. Yep. Which uh, you, you might be able to get away with. He does have very good secondary pitches, you know, with the, you know, if he can get, the feel for the change up in curveball again, uh, that he could kind of, you know, get around it if he's crafty and, and smart. You know, we've seen Clayton Kershaw also has a very pretty slow fastball these days. Uh, 
The one advantage Kershaw does have, though, over Strasburg is Kershaw is left-handed. Strasburg is not. So it would remain to be seen you know, if he can quite you know, really do the same thing. I mean, it's also possible that was kind of his first real throwing um, that he might be able to ramp up more. Uh, one of the things that would be nice this season, you know, it could be that you know, since this is kind of a lost season, Strasburg might come back and start starting games, but he might still be sort of ramping up too full like he might not just immediately come back and be ready to go 100 percent. you know he might still be trying to build strength in his arm build strength in his feel for his pitches and all that with the idea of really being like opening day 2023 is when he wants to really be ready to go and you know hopefully then we could potentially see that you know he might be throwing 92 now but then by september this year he's closer to you know 93 94 yeah where he was. You're gonna let him take he... take opening day away from Patrick Corbin this year, <laughs> our ace. We, I heard he's back to almost back to 2019 uh, form. It's in reach. <laughs> he just has very long arms. I didn't realize that uh, Ross is a free agent after the year. Is he really? He just still seems so young, but yeah, he'll hit. He'll hit six years service time. Did he play last year? No. He played last year. He didn't play the year before. Did he wait? Did, I thought he didn't play last year. He didn't play 2020. He did play last year. He did opt out 2020. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He I actually think... played a good amount last year until he got hurt. Gotcha. Oh, really? I thought he played. I thought he got hurt, hurt Na- early. 19 starts. Right. Huh. So I have a problem here. When you type in Joe Ross into fan graphs, he is none of the options that you can then click to search for. <laughs> Seriously? Like, what? This is Joe Ross erasure. Do they have him like listed as Joseph Ross or something? Like, what is this searching algorithm? He's the first one that came up for me. There. Okay. I think I had to do it capitalized. Say, I did Joe Ross. I wonder if it's if it's lowercase. Oh, see, now he shows up. I don't know. That was so weird. (laughs) Like, I did Joe Ross. I feel like it's like whatever their live search is. Sometimes it doesn't actually get your final input, and it just didn't. There we go. It's weird. So, oh yeah, he did pitch more last year than I thought he did. So, it's surprising that he's a free agent for this year. Um, that's discussion for another time. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, I I think that's a discussion for seeing what the heck he can do this year, if anything. Um, considering how you know, inconsistent he's been. Uh, since his first kind of you know, 2015, 2016 were pretty good. Uh, and then pretty bad in 2017, injured for all of 2018, injured for a lot of 2019, and also pretty bad. And not nearly as good 2021 when he was ostensibly healthy and then injured again. It's not a good recipe for let's keep seeing what this guy's got. He does feel like one of those guys that should be like 33, though. Or it's like 25 and you're like, Oh, like, yeah, yeah. This year he's finally going to make it. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I think it really is just those years where he, you don't quite remember that he wasn't around for some of those other years. Uh, because that the Nats, you know, those years that Nats had plenty of other really good starting pitchers that you weren't really 
sitting around like, oh, we really need Joe Ross or, you know, this isn't going to work. Uh, you know, he was just injured and out. And you're like, well, I guess I'll forget about Joe Ross for a while and then see if he ever reappears. So it really just feels like you're like, you just have 2015, 2016, 2017, 2019, and then last year. So it's like if you started him at 22, you know, you're losing one, two, three, you know, three full seasons. That goes from 29 to being 26, 25. So I agree with Sean. Let's see. Uh, other things on the injury list. Hunter Harvey uh, hasn't been cleared to throw yet. They're hoping he's back uh, by the halfway point of the season. And Nelson Cruz is sick. So he was scratched today. Hopefully it is just also, sick and not COVID and he's out for, you know, some period of time. Yeah. He also had uh hurt back at one point. So uh, he is 41. I mean, I'm not 41 right. and my back hurts every day. Well, I, I hear that. Say it, it's only a matter of time before, you know, Nelson Cruz is out. Cause it's just not, he's not feeling it today. It sucks. Cause he was finally like kind of on a little hot streak. You know, he had, well, not not quite a long-hitting streak, but he had a couple of zeros in there. But, you know, the first two games against Houston, he had five total hits. Yeah. No. I, uh, I really Cruz thought out. it was going to be like, oh, he's just sore from being old. And yeah. like the last line of this is Dave Martinez being like, I didn't want him around the other guys. It was like, oh, okay, <laughs> so it's actual sick. <laughs> yeah. Also like six sick. No, it was, it was not just because he lost his car keys and couldn't remember where he put them, and then that just became his whole day. <laughs> I used to remember things. Now I just put something down, and it's disappeared forever. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, what else do we have? Good gracious. Come on. Batting sets. Talking about some hitters. Stop talking about pitchers. Start talking about hitters. Yeah, offense. Let's go. Yeah. So I mean, Josh Robles isn't hitting one anymore. Like you know, one hundred. That's true. He he did briefly look like he was about to go right back to one hundred after that giant. <laughs> so he had that really great giant series. Everybody's like, all right, Victor's fixed. Here we go. And then He's he back. proceeded to get, I believe, zero hits for about the next seven games gonna bring up this game long but that's about what it felt like and he got back around to 200 i think and it was definitely looking pretty dicey there for a second so yeah he had the the san francisco giants he had four hits two hits two hits then zero zero one zero one zero 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 one two some worse code <laughs> it was a little yeah a little bit or, of binary there binary yeah Same um thing. History major. Yeah, so that's three, four, five. So after that Giants game, he had six of ten games with zero hits uh, until these last two Houston games, um, where it, it maybe kind of turning back around. Who's to say? There we go. He had another two hit game. His first two hit game, uh, two days ago, Saturday, uh, against Houston. His first two hit game since the Giants series. So. Things can only get better. So probably. he's only hitting against specific good teams. So, 
That's a that's a skill you can market to uh, teams in the trade market. Right. So, how many more two hit games do you think Victor Robles has had this season? He has played in. Oh, it's not saying how many games he played. Thirty-one says. Yeah, thirty-one. Yeah. Oh, that you can't for some reason in the game log it doesn't give you a number of games he's played on Fangraphs. I know that doesn't baseball reference, but. So he has 31 total games. I've already named four, two or more hit games. I can tell you this is not an or more. He only has one game with more than two hits. But how many more multi-hit games do you think Victor Robles has besides those four? That Zero. have all come within like the last month. One. Zero. One is correct. <laughs> Zero was a good guess. It could have been a good question. <laughs> April 21st against the Diamondbacks, he had a two-hit game with one double. So that was so that's when things really came around. And Even then, after you told me, I'm still betting zero. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy that you know, that was like three weeks into the season. He has his first one. It takes another eight days till he gets to that giant series. He has three in a row. And then it's another 13 days before he has another one. So... I mean, the good news is he can play defense better again. Uh, but he's really at the edge of if you do any worse hitting-wise than this, it doesn't matter how good you are on defense. Yeah. Yeah, it has been uh, particularly rough for him. But the question is who who are you threatening to put there instead? <laughs> yeah, nobody. I mean, Lane Thomas is playing like absolute shit. So really, it's I just mean, they like... might they might put Thomas there a little more frequently just because Yadiel Hernandez has basically made it, you know, you'd look like a fool not to be putting him in left field every day unless Nelson Cruz is sick for a longer period of time then you can make Yadiel the DH. Uh, and you can get Thomas into the outfield. I mean, this is what's weird to me is that they've only used thirteen position players this year. Which I mean, obviously that's a big function of having the DH. But even in other years, you know, when they actually had a good team, you can look like a month and a half into the season, you'll look and they'll have like. 16, 18 names already listed as having at least one plate appearance. Uh, yeah, I mean, as your a, Jake Knoll, your uh, Brett Carroll. Yeah. Those guys. But they, they've pretty much had no injury substitutions besides, I guess, Lucius Fox, technically. Um, is the only... Yeah, I mean, Lucius Fox is really the only one who came up and went down at some point. Everybody else is just... Who was here opening day? <laughs> it was just very it's only weird. because they've all been doing very well, right? <laughs> yes, it is indeed. All because they have been doing very well. And not that they might actually have a negative team. Or let's see. It's going to be close. Oh, no. It's it's two. They're, they're a nice, solid player as a team. Two wins above replacement. With now, and Bell combining for 2.2. Oh, no. And then I looked at the context. That makes it much worse. Well, 
They are only the 23rd best team in Major League Baseball in terms of position player war. Which, so you're saying they're not going to win the World Series? No, probably not. I mean, it's also apparently can get much, much worse. So uh, there is one team that is actually negative in Fangraph's position player war, uh, which is remarkable. Good old Detroit Tigers with a team WRC plus of 83. Ooh. I would have guessed like the Reds or the Pirates yeah. before thinking of the yeah. Tigers. I, I keep oh, on forgetting wait. how bad the Tigers have been. There's more. Not only are they an 83, they also are a negative 8 in base running and a negative 12 in defense. <laughs> All that combined. They're consistent. To, Perfect. This team is negative 0.3 in war. So according to Fangraphs, if the Detroit Tigers fired all of their players and just started playing their AAA team, which I think is Tacoma? Um, Toledo? Toledo, yeah. Tacoma's the Mariners. Yeah, Toledo. The Mudheads. Yeah. If they just called the entire AAA team up to Detroit, they'd be 0.3 wins better. Yikes. So, that's probably good. Cincinnati was the second worst, uh, Sean. Your you're thinking was not too far off. Uh, but they, Probably the worst until like last week. They, have man- like they are win, managing win right now to stay above water at point two. But there is a team, the Oakland Athletics, have a WRC plus of 77. I believe it. So as a team, they are 23% worse than an average hitter. You've heard it here, Nats fans. It can certainly get worse. The Uh, best hitter is Nationals legend Sheldon Noose. Is it Noise? Noise. Noise. I just assumed it was Noose. Nice. He is very noise this year. He's got a 126 WRC+. Everybody else on the team is bad. Oh, yeah, Sheldon Noyce retur- famously returning to the Athletics after briefly being with the Dodgers on equal level with uh, the returns of Albert Pujols to the Cardinals and Zach Greinke to the Royals. Yeah. So yeah, definitely the same thing. And, 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 Sean, and to the Nationals. And Sean, and Sean Doolittle Doolittle. to the Nationals. And Anibal Sanchez to the Nationals. All equal to Sheldon Noyce finally being reunited with the Bay Area. In Oakland, but has Anibal Sanchez really come back to the Nationals? No, not really. Not in not in an accurate sense, no. <laughs> so, but there is good news for the Nationals. They do still have Juan Soto. Uh, they do still have Josh Bell. Uh, Yadiel Hernandez is still continuing to hit so far, uh, and Caber Ruiz remains unobservable, or as <laughs> to mess with the results. <clears throat> Uh, when it comes to Josh Bell, do we think that's someone that they're going to try and extend, or do you think that's someone they're going to try and cash in on in July? Uh, so if your plan was to build out a competitive team and be looking like, you know, looking like you're at least a fringe contender, if not a regular contender near the end of Soto's current, you know, team control years. I can't say 
contract. I guess it is still his contract. It's just the uniform player contract. Um, then you would re-sign Josh Bell because you're not going to get a better face baseman than that. Uh, and he's the right age that you sign him. You know, you're only sign probably he's only going to probably ask for at most four years uh, for a fairly reasonable amount of money. Because for you know the market for first baseman is tanked unless you're you know an MVP level guy like Freddie Freeman, and even he had trouble finding enough suitors to really get the deal he wanted. So you know Josh Bell is not going to cost you that much money. Uh, he really fits in with the team. He fits in well with the community. He's already done you know. When he got traded from Pittsburgh, he really put in the effort early on to kind of embed himself in the community and do a lot of work with the Nats Youth Academy. So uh, it, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. The only reason you would not re-sign him is if you're thinking that you're going to try to keep kicking this can further down the road and... You know, you you don't really know when your next contention window is yet. You're not really building to one yet. Okay. Or if somebody just gives you an offer that's too good to refuse, because there, I'd say there probably aren't going to be a whole lot of impact players on the trade market this year. You know, so being a team that's obviously out of the running, you know, because there's always sort of, especially now with the extra wild card spot, there's you know more going to be more fringe teams you could potentially trade him and then i mean you can always sign him back i mean they always say yeah we might sign him back and they never actually do but maybe they could Who knows? Yeah, i mean if you can find somebody foolishly desperate to give you a real prospect back uh then i i would consider it but even then i i just don't think half a year of josh bell unless he happens to just keep hitting as well as he is right now. And it's still in like the one sixties and hitting like a superstar then maybe, but even then I don't know if half year Josh Bell is really going to get you back enough of a prospect to, you know, be worth it. I mean, you're not going to get, I don't think you're going to get even somebody like Ruiz, like one of Ruiz mm-hmm. or gray back. Um, it might be a slightly better lottery ticket than some of than some of the you know complete you know no name flyers they got in some of their other trades last year, but you're not going to get a prospect that you're going to say, oh yeah, we're you know you can see that this guy is going to get called up in two years, one year, three years, and be ready to start trying to be a major leaguer. You know you're going to guys who's like, well they do this one thing very well, they don't really do anything else. Mabel, they'll learn to do other things. Are they teachable? So everybody's teachable. Um, some people just don't get results. So I maybe if this was 2003, you'd probably be looking to trade him because there you knew there are teams out there who would give up you know way too much because well winning. In getting to the playoffs and winning in the playoffs was the number one thing every team was most concerned about. Uh, teams also didn't care as much about, you know, trading away prospects. It wasn't seen as much as much of a negative. Uh, you didn't have a lot of the take economy around the idea that if you've lost, you, oh, you traded a prospect, even if you won a World Series with the player you traded the prospect for. Well, sorry, but that prospect has turned out to be really good, so 
then you only had that one player for that one half year. So you still look like an idiot and you know, everybody's going to be mad at you. Uh, it's way, it's just way easier for teams to hold on to prospects and not put in that effort to go for the, the playoffs. So I just don't think you'll see the market for it. So again, it's, it's another reason that they should just be re-signing Josh Bell. And it's kind of ludicrous to me that apparently their plan is that they are not even going to talk to Josh Bell about an extension until they finish one with Juan Soto. So what you're saying so is they're never years. going to talk about it. With <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, I guess, yeah, in three years, they'll finish that contract extension with Juan Soto. And then, you know, Josh Bell will have signed with a different club and a free agent. And they'll, the Nats will get around and call his agent about that extension. And be like, I'm on the Cubs now. What are you talking about? <laughs> I've been employed for two years. Thank you. Yeah, but how would you like to be a Washington National instead? I don't don't think it works that way. So, oh, I guess if Mike Rizzo can learn how to do two things at once, hopefully they'll bring Josh Bell back. Or maybe they somehow get way further along in this Soto conversation than they have been so far. Because, I mean, they made an opening offer. It was a very obviously too low opening offer that has a long way to go before they get, you know, anywhere close to what Soto wants. Uh, and Soto's position so far has generally been to, you know, not really care. So I think they pretty much got it. Their offer has to be almost exactly what he thinks he might be getting in free agency for him to start getting interested. I think you got to be within like $10 million of his overall, you know, target number for him to start negotiating, let alone being 50, $75 million away. He's, you know, you're not going to come in at three seventy, and he's going to say, no, 500. <laughs> and then you say, what about three eighty? Oh, okay. Four ninety. Like that that's not what it is. It's, the answer is gonna be no five hundred until the Nats are at about four ninety. Yes. And then they can figure it out from between there what they're gonna do. So oh. Well, and if they go and put off trying to either keep or acquire other talent until he decides to sign he's gonna sign somewhere else <laughs> we can yeah. have bad time it's not gonna work out I mean, well it, it, it doesn't totally make sense to me i mean i i guess the one thing you could say is maybe you might put it on pause now until you have a, a more clear picture of who the new owners are going to be and what they think their spending strategy will be uh you know that is the one issue with MLB not having a salary cap is you can't just say, oh, we'll make Soto an offer that's 40% of the cap and then we know we can build a team around that. You you could say, oh, we're going to make an offer that's about 40% of what the learners would budget for the team and then that might be only 30% of what the new owners would want or it might be 75% of what the new owners would want to spend. Uh, So you do, you know, you can see from that perspective that you say, "Well, we don't want to give them 450 million, you know, 30 million a season for 15 years or something like that." And you know, for the learners, Nationals, 30 million a season. If you have one guy making that, 
you know, a little bit of an overlap with Strasburg also making it, but generally you, you got one guy making that, you can kind of work around that and still build out a roster, uh, you know, picking out veterans here and there to kind of fill in those holes at lower prices and make it work. But if you give them 30 million and then you get, you know, somebody who's like the Cleveland ownership and they say the budget, the overall budget is 80, uh, you almost impossible to build a team no matter how hard you try, you have to try to sign, you know, 25 more guys for on average, $2 million each. <laughs> You'd find a guy like Jose Ramirez, who is going to inexplicably take below yeah. market value <laughs> to stay in Cleveland. So that would, if you, you know, yeah, you know, thinking of that way, 25 million, you know, 25 players for an average of 2 million, even those guys making league minimum of seven hundred fifty thousand, that's not lowering the average that much. Mm-hmm. If you signed one guy for like ten million dollars, it's almost impossible. Yeah, yeah, there it goes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hopefully see progress on that. It is, I, I, it's probably annoying to the Nationals front office and ownership a little bit that that's kind of the focus, but also you sort of made that the focus by not really putting out a baseball team so we don't have games to talk about that much because they're not that interesting the team's not that good what do we have to talk about is will the good players come back or is that not even worth getting invested in and i think that's an important question i think they need to do a better job of trying to answer those questions of who the hell here can i buy a t-shirt a four can i you know start really following and getting into and saying is my favorite player you know which one if i have a small child you know like our friend matt with his daughter is probably getting old enough to kind of actually know which player is which and start liking a specific player you know which one should he kind of try to direct her to liking because he knows they'll be here more than next year so that you don't immediately, you know, nobody wants to see a young child have their favorite ch- their favorite player immediately leave. <laughs> they generally don't like that. No. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of these social aspects that you know, obviously, over the last few, you know, last decade or so, are getting lost more and more as it becomes more of an investment business, and they'll all. You know, everybody's just looking at it as the spreadsheet of, you know, cost and all that. You know, revenues versus cost, but you, if you lose that social, that entertainment aspect of it, you know, you're gonna be missing out on a lot. Let's see, what else do we have? Uh, Carl Edwards got called up last week. Um, Carl Edwards Jr. Carl Edwards Jr. Excuse me. Putting off his NASCAR career. <laughs> he he got a he got a World Series ring from Atlanta because he pitched a third of an inning for them last year. Hell yeah! So he's a what is he two time World Series champion? Now? I believe so. Yeah, is he I think on, on with the Cubes, right? Was he on the 2016 Cubs though? Yeah, um, he was. Okay. Yes. Um, I was trying to remember because I knew he was there 2017 because Bryce Harper ethered one of his pitches <laughs> in 
one of the earlier game. I think game three of that series in 2017. No, it'd have to be game two because it would have been when it was at home of that series with the Cubs, which was nice. Uh, so, so do you, would you keep that ring? I mean, <laughs> why not? You were given it. I mean, I was thinking, I mean, I guess that's the question. Wow, one third of an inning. I was going to say I thought Roannis Elias, because there was some news with him today, which I didn't care enough to pay attention to what it was, but did just saw his name and was thinking that that might be the player who did the absolute least to earn a World Series ring. But he threw 30 times the number of innings with the 2019 Nationals as <laughs> Carl Edwards Jr. did with the 2021 Atlanta baseball team. How so, many did Rosenthal throw for us in 2019? Well, or like Johnny Venters. That's true. That you could go <laughs> negative, but I was thinking of it in terms of like absolute, you like take the absolute value. So more mathematics, Sean, sorry. Uh, well, didn't Johnny Venters like, throw like one game in his arm? That is true. Let's look up Johnny Venters. He might have been even worse. I for, I did forget. I forgot he existed. Did they give him a, a ring though? I guess they have. I thought they gave everybody that. Yeah, I think they gave game. everybody. Yeah, that's I gave them to Rosenthal and Barraclod. At least Venters was on the 60 yeah. DL IL at the end of the year. No, uh, Rosenthal third through 31 or no, sorry venters through 31 times the number of innings that uh carl edwards jr pitched for the atlanta baseball team uh, now you want one some, third more of an inning than roanis elias you uh you want some excellent fun with small sample sizes though yeah so uh he threw a third of an inning gave up three hits three earned runs a home run <laughs> so he's sitting on a fip of 45 nice uh, a whip of 12 and then home run walks and strikeouts per nine of 27, 27 ERA of 81. So I mean, you said you know it's a what? small sample size, but that sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, that that's incredible as he actually earned negative 10th of a war of a win above replacement. So that's an incredible work to do and only getting one out in one appearance. In a uh, so, you know what? Apologies. It's interesting because that was the topic I had thought about was, was Ruanis Elias, the person who did the absolute least to get a World Series ring. But very clearly, we have now instead stumbled upon the answer, and it is Carl Edwards Jr. And it's almost impossible to do less. Unless, like, you know, you go with the Sean way of thinking where if you're just... you pitch more but do more active negative damage to the team <laughs> you think of it that way but i'm thinking of it like you say the absolute value so it's either you do a lot good or you do a lot bad and we you know that's a lot or you you don't really do anything then you're then this is what we're looking at you throw like almost no pitches no innings you're not really around the team at all uh but i i think you gotta say you know ronis elias he only had an era he pitched three innings in four games, had an ERA of nine. So Carl Edwards Jr., 30 times fewer innings, four times fewer appearances, and nine times higher ERA. It's <laughs> definitely going to take that one. I mean, they wouldn't give it to like a, a call-up who didn't actually make it into a game, right? 
I don't think so. It, it does depend. It's you know, it's a team by team thing. Yeah, that they vote who gets rings, who gets shares, and all that. I don't know if he got a playoff share. I don't know if the, I don't yeah, think those different. are. I don't think those are specifically tied together. Um, but I do know teams. I, I think the Nationals gave playoff shares to a couple people who were not on the roster during the playoffs either, but had been you know around the team for long enough that they felt deserved it. Right. Um. But man, that's awful. So, also awful so far is strikeouts per nine with the Nationals and three appearances, four innings is about half his career. It's a little over half his career uh, numbers. So, uh, and also, if funnily enough, his his strikeout per nines is exactly the same as his ERA so far, six seven five. So I'm sure that's good. Has he just been like worse than Patrick hurt or just bad? I, he, I think it's just bad. I mean, he's always been really wild. I mean, this is kind of, I, it's like Sammy Solis, very similar path. Uh, it's probably where I look at Blake Trinan, but I feel like this is where Blake Trinan, it's kind of like a 50, 50 here. Uh, yeah. Cause like, Trinan, well, he did have a couple where he wasn't walking that many, but it was like the same kind of thing where there's a good amount of strikeouts, but also a high amount of walks. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of just, which one do you fix? Do you fix the walks or does that just kind of become who you are now? Um, so his ERA progressively went down from 2016 to 2018, from a 375 to a 26. Yeah. His strikeouts progressively went down. His walks progressively went up. <laughs> his home runs just went way down. So he somehow was the only person who figured out how to give up fewer home runs during as the ball got springier and springier. So the whole league was hitting way more home runs than they ever were before year after year from 2016 to 2019. Or 20, yeah, and 26 to 2018. And somehow Carl Edwards Jr. was giving up fewer and fewer home runs, but also way more walks. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what the hell he was doing. He might walk you, but he's not going to let you take him deep. <laughs> no. <laughs> or I was curious that he had. I'm looking at. No, nah, he didn't have that many hit by pitch. Because that would be funny if he just had like a million hit batters, too. It's just like. I don't care what you do. It's just not a, you're not going to hit a home run. So yeah, as you can tell, probably somebody to think about whether it might work out a 30 year old reliever who'd been pretty bad for four years and was getting progressively worse the four years before that. And just wasn't really being noticed because he was managing to not give up home runs. Uh, I think, I think it'll work out. He'll be a nice addition to the bullpen we'll see him for many years after this <laughs> um also in nats news uh one gerardo para has decided to retire he's taking yeah. up a role as a special assistant to the gm in the well, nationals front office that was interesting is because it kind of got announced twice yeah it got announced like <laughs> last announced- week right it was like yeah. last week they put something on like on Matson that said 
um, he was leaving the you know, AAA uh, Rochester. And he wasn't going to play with them anymore and was going to take a job in the Nats front office. And then this week, then he announced his retirement like on Instagram. And I can't tell whether it's it was just like, oh, he just kind of waited a bit after you know the news came out to like do like an official announcement or something. But like it was interesting is that he put an Instagram post and the Nationals put something on like a thank you video on social media both today. Yeah, it was a little odd. And it that it kind of feels like he was like the you know, the Nats are like I you know, we're gonna take you off of the Rochester roster, but you can come have this for an office position. And then he was thinking about it and he's like, I'm gonna I'm retiring from the game of baseball completely, not just as a player, but like I'm just gonna go do something completely different. And he's not gonna take that front office role. And I didn't really see any clarification one way or the other there. I thought I saw something today that said that he was gonna be a special assistant. Okay. I mean it, it's definitely possible. it could just be that, you know, they weren't ready on the socials, but it, it's also it'd be surprising to me in this day of age that it took like the whole week to get that all put together. No, it took, yeah, it's eight days. Cause it's May 8th. They have Gerardo power retired as reported by Dan Colco during today's broadcast. And uh, then, also announced that he will remain in Washington's organization as assistant to the GM. Okay. So, um, no, I, but like I saw that stuff today and I was like, didn't this already happen? I thought this was already a done deal, but yeah, maybe it was right. just like your, your tribute stuff wasn't put together right away. And so now it's well, official. He had, he had to put his eight minute, uh, tribute video on Instagram. So yeah, it took a, it took a week to put it together. He had to piece all the clips together, but it, skip it, the four minutes. It, if it, you want to see the Nats stuff, I'm just imagining him like on his phone, trying to put it together in iMovie by himself, just like yeah. piecing these together. That's why he's been busy. He hasn't been able to announce. <laughs> so, uh, how much longer until he becomes the manager? Uh, two months. <laughs> no, Davey gets a pass this year. But when they start out next year losing after having signed one individual that be- can be considered a Major League Baseball player, um, he'll be fired. At which Where's point Davy's contract up again. I feel like it's probably up every year. Yeah. That, uh, I think it's next year. September, 2020, he signed a deal for three years. Okay. So after seven and a half year. million. So yeah, we'll the see past, if they have has... disguised those manager deals as like three years, but it's actually two years with an option that we didn't find out until later though. So we, it wouldn't surprise me. We yeah. found out later. Cause that's how, um, Dusty Baker's was, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, and yeah. Davies was that is they he just had a club option for 2021 and they turned that into a real year. So it was 2021, 2022, 2020. Are the first two years? I think it's three years guaranteed, but you know, it does. You you are correct, Sean, that it does not actually say like a guaranteed three years. It's possible that it is not. Yeah, yeah, there's something going on with that. Although we'd probably have heard by now if he was a potential lame duck this season. But you never know. So, 
But maybe next year when he caddies himself and if Paro is still in the organization, they'll ask him to take over. And then he'll get team good vibes only. Well, when he caddies himself. Somehow <laughs> sneak into that second wild card and do absolutely nothing. But everybody will enjoy it anyways. Hang on. I'm just Wait. reading how this is described about this deal. Yeah. And <laughs> it's not really committal either way. Like the shit that Rizzo says is just out of control. Uh, referred to the agreement as a quote, multi-year nature, but repeatedly refused to reveal anything specific <laughs> in response to reporters <laughs> questions. Quote, we don't talk about terms as far as years, length and salaries and that type of thing. We're comfortable with what we have and the consistency that we're going to have down the road. How many years? Multiple. <laughs> Two years is multiple years. 50 years is multiple years. Perfect. One year is not multiple years. No. Well, it is a multiple of one. God. Out of control. All right. That's looking like it in terms of Nat's news. Um, Anything around the league that we need to talk about? Um, the Reds managed to throw a no hitter and lose the game. And yeah, that's very impressive, especially against the Pirates. Yeah. Speaking of spectacularly bad, here you go. Both, both teams. At least we're like pretending to kind of have players like outside of Brian Reynolds, who is on the Pirates. Keep Brian, Brian Hayes. Hayes. Oh yeah, Jinx him. <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon. Nope. What year is it? I think he's technically on the Brewers, but also I don't think he's playing at all. I bet I could give you guys like 200 guesses and you wouldn't be able to guess either of the two players who are tied for second in batter uh, FR for the Pirates behind Cabrian Hayes. Jordy Mercer, Gregory (laughs) Polanco, Starling Marta, um, Josh Bell. Francisco Cervelli, uh, Russell Martin. I think that's all the pirates I can name. <laughs> and I don't think you named a single guy that's on the team anymore. <laughs> oh, no, obviously not. <laughs> name one of the, oh, name a pirate who's on the team right now. Yeah, no. who's on the team, yeah. No, can't do that. Absolutely not. Uh, they're the ones that have that really tall shortstop. He hasn't come uh, up yet yeah, I don't because know name, they no. don't want to have to O'Neal pay. Cruz O'Neal or whatever. Cruz, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I did know his name. Look at that. Uh, ben Gamble is, is your number two. Ben Gamble. Ben Gamble. And Roberto Perez is number three. I'm looking at the roster and don't know half of these people. Roberto Perez. I thought that was Fasto Carmona's real name. <laughs> they have a person apparently named Tucapita Marcano. Which is very fun to say, and I hope that he continues to play for them so I can continue to say that name. But yet the Nationals are only two and a half games ahead of them. (laughs) Yikes. Jack Sawinski is not a real person. There's no way that that is a real person. Jack Sawinski? Jack Sawinski. That is someone in witness protection. That would be a pretty bold move. 
to become a major league baseball player while in witness protection. But I guess if you're on the Pirates, it's not that much of a risk. <laughs> True. My God. Oh, that's where Dan Vogelbach is now? Mm-hmm. He actually has played, fair, well, briefly played fairly, fairly well. Didn't he crush one off of us? Yes. I do remember that. Oh, David Bednar. He's uh, he's on my Diamond Dynasty team right now. I, I think you mean David Beckham, the <laughs> soccer player? I don't know. Can they both bend it? Uh, hopefully. If he's on your Diamond Dynasty team, they're probably not very good, are they? Hey, he is just fine as a reliever. Thank you. <laughs> just fine like Carl Edwards Jr. just fine? Or... No, I also feel like he was bumped up to like a 90 like a week ago and it was great. Oh. And then he dropped back down to like his, I don't know, like 74 or something. I was like, no. mm, this is Tear. probably fine. Uh, oh, everybody in the NL East is below 500 except the Mets. That's kind of fun. If you're going to be bad, make everybody else bad too. Have the Braves woken up like at all? I mean, obviously they're under 500, so they're not great, but uh, they're five and five in their last 10 games. So no, they have not woken up. Ten and eleven at home, six and eight away. It's truly impressive mediocrity. My only regret is that the Marlins aren't the team that's leading the division when the rest of the team is awful. Uh, I, yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't think that we're at too much of a risk of that though. They're pretty bad. They do have like almost no good players either. Uh, they got Joey Wendell. I am pretty certain that Alcantara for the Marlins has just retired 20 straight batters. Wow. Wait, but that doesn't he, make the Marlins good, though. No. He did give up a run in the first inning, so it's not it's not anything important. Correct. Yeah. It's just um, pathetic on our end. Uh, yeah, so National League, four-fifths of the NL East is below 500. Five-fifths. Of the NL West is 500 or better. Rockies, the only team at 500 at 17 and 17. So, you know, very balanced league. Uh, second wild card definitely makes sense. Uh, it definitely makes sense that next year they're going to change the way the scheduling works to try to make it so that you're not just playing your division way too many times and having these huge imbalances. Uh, it's not quite as ridiculous. The American League is more uniform in two good teams, one met team, and then two terrible teams. That's what you want to see. That's what we pay for. So, oh, you know, I have another interesting topic because uh, Amy and I went to a game recently, and there was these two people who were clearly on a date in front of us. And at one point, the girl was like asking what the difference between the National and American League was. And the guy was giving a very incorrect answer <laughs> that I almost wanted to correct, but let it go by. But what would you say now? Like, you, know, you can talk about the history of the American and National League. And if you know it, unlike this guy, you could probably talk about it correctly as well. But what would you say is the modern difference between the American and National League anymore? The teams are different. That's the only difference. Yeah, there is a yeah. <laughs> there is there's none. Which is very weird. Which then raises the question of 
does it make sense to have it? I mean, they still have it in the NFL too, which is just weird is that you have this weird, like you have an East central and West in both the American league and the national league. Would it make more sense to just reorganize, put like all the Eastern teams on in this one league and all the Western teams in this other league are there like you have in the NHL or NBA. Are there logistical issues with that? I'd like to see a map. Cause off the top of my head, like that sounds like the way to go, but there could also be like 20 well, teams I, between the central and the East. Yeah. I've I done mean, this a lot would, of my out of the park franchises over the years. Let me look would it up. Definitely have to kind of, there would be some central teams that would get stuck. Cause I mean, basically, if you just do it, you just combine like right now they have the same amount. So you just combine the two Easts and the two Wests together. And then that leaves you 10 teams that you hit, have to split five and five, the twins, guardians, white Sox, Royals, tigers, then the Brewers, Cardinals, Pirates, Cubs, Reds, which really do not have a great divide, whether they should be East or West. A lot of those are in the Eastern time zone. I mean, honestly, um, you could almost do it by the Mississippi. You would have to cut either yeah. Chicago or Milwaukee. Yeah. And you could have East and West. So it, it's so that, that might be the one argument that if you stay with this number of teams, then it makes sense to do that. But it is interesting now that they're starting to look at more balanced schedules as well, where they reduce the number of division games and you play exactly one series with all the teams in the other league. And then you play a home and a home and home with all the teams in your league. And then the rest of the games are within your division uh, in terms of just travel costs and travel logistics and all that. It would make, more sense if you had it split geographically and you play if you're an east coast if you're the nats you play one series against 15 western teams you play two series against 10 eastern teams and then you play you know the rest of your games against the closest it could also you know, you could do more reorganization with the division as well i mean that would be up to you you could also have it you know not that way and you just have you know, those other Eastern teams around. So it would be interesting to see uh, if it ever develops that way. I mean, I don't think so. Cause there's still a little bit of tradition, you know, in the ideas of the American national league, but it is very funny that now that the national league has the DH, there is besides, I think the, um, no, cause then the umpires are all the same too. Now they're all MLB umpires. They're not, by league so there is there shouldn't be anything that is a difference between those two anymore no this is very weird it's like go ask the like national league and american league president so so what exactly do you do here (laughs) well and i mean we're even kind of past it because we have had teams switch leagues before yeah even in the the present day of the current league we've had them switch leagues Um, so it's not even like you have the sanctimony of, you know, oh, but you know, you were an AL MVP before, but now you're an NL MVP. Like who cares? Just, just, I guess that's the only difference is that they have different, they have their awards in each league instead of just having one big MLB league. Right. But it's also the same, but yeah. 
Which also is a question of whether that makes sense to continue anymore. Because it, it did make a little bit of sense when he had a DH only in one league that it would be sort of unfair to compare American League pitchers to National League pitchers. Because either if you're just doing it objectively, looking at their stats, the National League guys would have that advantage that they're facing a you know one of the nine hitters they face sucks ass. <laughs> uh, or you know some people could then try to compensate for that and then they compensate for it poorly and give way too much credit to American League pitchers. And, you know, it makes sense to split them. And if you're going to split them, you might as well split all the other awards too. Uh, but now that they should be facing generally similar competition, you know, does it really make sense to have two different MVPs of baseball or should there just be the MLB MVP? The most valuable player. Yeah, I don't think you'll ever get rid of those or have those merge. Um, because that's money out of people's pockets. You have two MVPs who can put it on a resume. You have two Cy Youngs as opposed to one. Yeah, you put it on a resume when there's a lot of incentive clauses as well. Yep, around winning those awards and wow. that's why MLB will try to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, they should. They'll, be in the ne- they'll, they'll try to slide it through the next uh, collective bargaining I mean, agreement. Yeah, I would. I mean, it. I that's also that's one of those arguments that MLB can make that it'd be very hard pressed to find more. You would find the only people would be people savvy enough labor wise, like TJ said, to kind of notice that, Oh, the real reason they're doing this is that they can cut out some of those bonus payments because there's fewer awards. You know, there's less, you know, less you can put on resume Uh, and then really staunch, you know, traditionalists, which I think is a very dwindling number at this point, who'd be like, no, you got to keep them separate because they've always been separate, even though it makes no sense since nothing else is separate anymore. But somehow those every guys other... are the friggin' loudest, man. Yeah. Well, I, sometimes, but I think in this, a case like this, you know, you, it would just be such an overwhelming percentage of people who'd be like, well, that just seems like common sense. That's what every other sport does. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no difference. There's no logistical reason there's no baseball reason really you know sport you know, competitive reason why there should be more than one mvp so yeah so everybody would agree with it and then you just have these poor labor guys just being like no no it's an anti-player please <laughs> yeah it's a trap <laughs> wait the player rep is admiral akbar he is it's very effective. I mean, that's why every time the the league would give an offer and the players would look like they were about to vote to accept it, and then all of a sudden negotiations would break down because player Rep Akbar would again appear <laughs> and remind the players that everything is a trap. <laughs> let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Anything else that's jumping out at me? No. I think that's mostly it. There wasn't that much really No, apparently uh, Scott Boris is out there on Michael Conforto's uh, account saying that he's yeah, not I mean, ruling out a late season return. <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody is, but we all know it's going to be late season because nobody's going to pay that, especially now that you can't even sign him for a full year. There's really no point yeah. Um, for a team to really do that to, and lose their draft pick 
you know, give up the draft pick compensation for it. And there's not really a point for Conforto now that he hasn't started this season. It doesn't really make sense for him to sign a contract either for like almost no money because it's it's not really going to help him. So he might as well hold out and then see if he can get at least a little bit of money once there's no draft pick compensation tied in. So. Uh, speaking of signings that don't make sense, uh, the Padres are signing or have signed Robinson Cano. Uh, Good luck with I, that. I don't know why, but well, because you could do it for nothing because of the way waivers works. The Mets true. are on the hook to pay him twenty-four million, twenty-eight million, something like that. So and he'll on gladly the accept three quarters of the season on yeah. better minimum of yeah of 750,000 then yeah sure I'll pay that <laughs> yep and if it if it doesn't work then all it costs you is basically zero dollars yeah so it costs I, I, you some bench space until Tatis comes back so it makes sense so ooh, my laptop is saying I'm about to crash so I think we should stop <laughs> all right And with that, uh, we will be back in two weeks. Until then, we are ghosts.